Before we start, let us just bow our hearts and pray. Our Father, this morning we come to you in the mighty name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we are so honored to be in your presence this morning. Lord, we are so honored to know you and to be known by you. Father, this morning I want to pray specifically for some of the, the people in the congregation, maybe somebody listening to this prayer this morning. Father, what we're seeing in this world we are living in, in the chaos that we experience outside of our lives and our relationship with you. Father, we see that the enemy, Satan, has come to steal and to kill and destroy. And this morning, Father, we want to come and we want to stand against the works of the enemy. Father, where he came to steal people's health, possessions, their jobs, whatever he came to steal. Father, we come now in this morning and we stand against the works of the enemy. And Satan, I want to tell you that you are not welcome here. You are not welcome in the lives of the children of God. And therefore, I tell you to remove yourself. And may the Lord rebuke you. Father, thank you that we can know that you are our protection. You are our provider. You are our love. Lord, you are our everything. And we want to honor you for that this morning. And Abba Father, when we talk about your pattern in your Bible this morning, the, your pattern in the word that you have given us, we ask you to open our hearts so that we can receive your word. That we can receive your word into fertile ground so that it will be seed that is sown, that it will sprout, and that it will bear fruit. Thank you, Abba Father, for your presence here this morning. And we honor you and we praise you in the mighty name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about the pattern of the tabernacle. When I, when I started with the theme for this, this year, on the first Sunday of September, I mentioned to you that, that if we look at, at, at the theme for this, for this year, um, the theme is beyond the veil. And beyond the veil means to, to enter into the presence of our Father. And when we look at the tabernacle, we'll see that there was a veil between the holy place and the holy of holies. And I'll show that on a picture to you now. And only the high priest could enter into, into that area, into that place that was called the Holy of Holies. And it was only the high priest that could go into that place, that could go beyond the veil once a year into the presence of Father. But as I mentioned, Yeshua came and He was the veil. He took that veil away. He, that veil was torn in two so that you and I can have free access to our Father. And I mentioned that I think it is important that we understand this whole pattern of the tabernacle, that we understand what it is all about. And this morning, I want to specifically talk to you about three words. And those three words, the pattern of the tabernacle, way, truth, and life. And what the way, the truth, and the life actually mean to you and I. Why did Yeshua actually mention those words? Because when He created the tabernacle, and it wasn't just the tabernacle. Every single word that he gave to Moses on, the Mount, on Mount Sinai was an, a pattern that he created for us to understand what salvation is all about. For us to understand what Yeshua came to do. 
for us to understand how we should live our lives. Everything is a pattern of the word that God has given us. And it, it is so interesting to me, you know, we, we want to we wanna leave the Old Testament behind. We don't want to read the Old Testament. We don't want to be involved in the Old Testament. We only want to read the New Testament. And there are so many valuable insights in the Old Testament, and specifically with regards to this pattern that the Lord has given us, so that we can actually experience what happens, what is happening within the New Testament. Why did Yeshua do certain things? Why did he say certain things? Why does he continuously quote from the Old Testament and specifically from the first five books of Moses, of Moses better known as the Torah? Why does that happen? And when you look at, at Yeshua, Yeshua referred to the tabernacle a few times during his ministry. And mostly when he was referring to the, to the tabernacle, he was actually referring to himself. Now we know that in John 14 verse 6, when he said that he was the way, the truth, and the life, that he was actually referring to the tabernacle. But, but in reading that, you know, when we only read John 14, verse 6, and we read, and Yeshua said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, we're not certain what, he's actually, what he actually means by it. We do not know what the reference is. We do not know what the foundation for those words are. And if we know what the foundations are, we will understand the words that he spoke. We will understand that so much better. And when Hebrews 10 verse 20 refers to Yeshua's body or his flesh as the veil, it again points to the tabernacle. And we spoke about that on the 4th, I think it was the 4th of September in that message that I gave about the veil, beyond the veil. We spoke about that in detail. When Yeshua is referred to as the high priest, it again refers to the tabernacle. And what we need to understand, it was only the high priest that served in the tabernacle or in the, in the Holy of Holies, he was the only person that was allowed to enter into the presence of God. Yeshua is the one who enters into the presence of God for you and I. He is already there. He is in the presence of, of our Father. And he made it possible for you and I to enter into the presence of Father. As a living sacrifice, Yeshua entered into the tabernacle, and the word says, the one not made by hands. And what tabernacle is this? This is the example. This is the tabernacle that is in heaven. This is where he, where he went when he went to present himself before our Father straight after his resurrection. So everything points to the tabernacle. Everything points to the foundation that is created within the tabernacle and the pattern that Father created for you and I. And the, the pattern of, of the tabernacle is everywhere. And that is why I want to focus on the pattern that God created for us so that we can see what he actually meant when he said to Moses, you must do this for me. Now, Father comes and he gives Moses a detailed instruction of how to build the tabernacle and all the furniture and all the implements and all the, the, the robes of the priests, everything in, in detail. And you would wonder, I always say, if there's detail in the Bible, we must sit up and listen because he wants to tell us something through the detail that he's given us. And when you start reading from Exodus 25, you will see all the detail right through about the tabernacle. Every single thing that was used was explained in detail and how Moses was supposed to do it. He not only told Moses how to do it, he showed him what it needed to look like. Because Father makes the statement in Exodus... Can we just uh, get that slides back up again, please, Hannes? 
In Exodus 26 verse 30, it says the following. Father is talking to, to Moses. He says, And you shall rear up the tabernacle according to the fashion therefore, thereof which was showed you in the mount. So he wasn't just told. Father showed him what it needed to look like. And, and I think when, when Moses was on the mountain and he was in the presence of God, he had an insight into what it looked like in heaven. Because throughout the Bible, we read references to the tabernacle and what the tabernacle looked like and what it contained. We, we see references of that being in heaven, in Father's throne room. And you know what is amazing? And he, when he talks about this word fashion, he uses the word mishpat. And that word mishpat in the Hebrew means justice, ordinance, and pattern. So what God is saying here, I have showed you the pattern of my justice and my ordinances. I'm not just telling you what to do. I am showing you what to do. Moses knew exactly what this needed to look like. And this use of this, this word mishpat in this verse underscores the authority of Father's design. There was authority in what he showed Moses. And Moses and the Israelites were to be guided by the divine pattern when they set up the tabernacle, when they built every single thing of the tabernacle, and when they erected it every time where they stopped and they camped. And to understand this pattern, I want you to imagine a clothing pattern. And, and I've, I've seen it so many times, you know, when, when people want to make certain clothes, a dress or a shirt or a suit or whatever it is, they, they take this pattern and a pattern is created and is normally made from paper. And what they would do is they would lay out this material on a table and then they would, they would attach the pattern with pins to the material and then they would cut it out. And once they've cut it out, they would follow the instructions on the pattern, which panels to sew together so that you can have a dress or that you can have a shirt or a suit or whatever it may be. I'm glad I'm not one of those people that have to make clothes. I don't know if I would attach the, the sleeve in the right spot. Uh, I think it could look quite different when I do it. But, but that is exactly the idea that I want you to form in this process is think about this. And for the ladies, and I can see there's a ladies already responding about the pattern and making clothes and they know how to do this. They understand exactly what it is all about. They understand the pattern. You need a pattern. You can't just take, sit there. Well, maybe some people can. But I don't know. Most people, when they want to make a dress or a shirt, they need to go to the shop and go buy a specific pattern that they want to use. And then they use that to make the clothing. So... What, is, what we see here is that it is a similar instruction that is, seen by, that is given by Father when he gave this pattern to Moses. And, this, and, and Moses had to make the tabernacle exactly according to the pattern that God gave him. It is so important. Now, why is this so important? Why is it so important that Father gave and said to him, Moses, this is what you've got to do, and you've got to make it exactly like this. He gives him to the dimension. Everything was absolutely specified. And then Father ordained certain people to enable them to actually make these things. So why is it important? It is important because Father created a pattern through the tabernacle that will point to His plan of man's salvation. 
He is laying out the pattern of our salvation before us. And he's giving it to us in his word, and we're ignoring it, and we don't think the tabernacle is important anymore. It also gives us a pattern of how to live. And it forms the pattern for our worship. Tabernacle, the word tabernacle, literally means residence or dwelling place. And it was so called in the belief that Father literally lived within the, the sacred um, confines of the tabernacle. He lived, they believed that he lived inside the Holy of Holies. And he appeared to Israel in the Holy of Holies. They knew when Father was present because they could see it. They could see the smoke come from the Holy of Holies. They knew he was there. Why the smoke? Because the Word tells us that God is a consuming fire. And where there's fire, there's normally smoke, isn't there? Or are we saying where there's smoke, there's fire? Doesn't matter. But they knew when Father was present. And now I want you to think about this. God says to you and I, and, and we use the word in the Bible, we say, you are a temple of God. I think what we need to say is we are the tabernacle of God. You and I are tabernacles of God. Are we also the temple, of course, because that is where the Lord's presence is. But I think the reference should actually be to the tabernacle, not just to the temple. If my body is the temple or the tabernacle of God, where does he live? Inside of me. He is present in my life. He's still living in his tabernacle. And that tabernacle is you and I. His Holy Spirit lives within us. He is with each one of us. And you know what was so amazing? When Israel camped, the tabernacle was set up in the precise center of the camp. All the tents were around the tabernacle, were spread around the tabernacle. And this symbolized the idea that Father was to be the center of His people's lives. It is still true. Father wants to be the center of your life. He wants to be the center of this congregation. He wants to be the center of the whole congregation of Yeshua. He wants to be our center. He wants to be that point that everything revolves around in your life. That's what Father wants to be. Still true for us as believers. And then the word says that we ought to love Him with our entire being. We see that instruction given to Israel, and we, we know that he, he said that to them in the Torah in Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, which is, which is known as the Shema. But it is also an instruction to every believer today because Yeshua gave that to us in the Word. And He said that to us in Matthew 12 verse 29 to 30. And listen to what He says, or not Matthew, Mark, sorry, Mark 12 verse 29 to 30. And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Now, when you read this, this is exactly as it is, as it is written in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. Hear, O Israel, this is why it's called the Shema. The word Shema is the word here. That's where the, the, the word comes from, the Shema comes from. It is this word here. So, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And I know that Yeshua instructs us to love one another as well, that we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. But the importance here is this love that we need to have for Father. And I can guarantee you when He talks about your, your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, that is everything. 
I don't think you can add anything to that. There is nothing to add. And what he's saying is we need to love God with our entire being. And why do we love him? Because he loved us first. And throughout the Bible, we see this, that he loved you and I first. And through his love, he provided us with a pattern to live in true worship. To live in his worship. Yeshua told us in John 4 verse 24 that we have to worship Father in spirit and in truth. And we find this pattern for that in the, in the symbolism, in the pattern of his tabernacle. He actually presents us that to you and I. And you all know that as a ministry, we celebrate the appointed times that Father gave us in his word. And in our celebration, we recognize Yeshua's fulfillment of each one of those appointed times because everything points to him. Everything is centered around Yeshua. The tabernacle was centered around Yeshua. Our lives are centered around Yeshua. You know what is so amazing to me is when we, when we look at the, at, at the appointed times, and we started in, in March, April time frame with the appointed times. Then we, we had the spring feasts. It's a little bit um, the other way around in, in South Africa because we, in the southern hemisphere, we, we have, we have um, fall, which they call fall, and uh, they have, actually have spring. So they call the first, first few appointed times, they call the, the spring feasts. And we are now, at the moment, we are in the fall feasts. So it is, is a little bit different in the northern hemisphere. But if I can just run through them, and, and what do we recognize? Number one, the offer of Pesach. Yeshua was the lamb. He was our Pesach lamb that was sacrificed for you and I. Unleavened bread, the feast of unleavened bread. Why do we celebrate that? Because Yeshua was without sin, and he came to take everyone's sin away. We celebrate the, the, the first fruits offer. Why do we celebrate the first offer? What do we recognize? Yeshua as being the first fruit of all of us. And he is the one that was... That was um, um, or that ascended into heaven. Very important to you and I. Then follows Shavuot, or what we call Pentecost. And when we see this, this whole thing about Pentecost, what is important about that? That is when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon all men, so that you and I can receive the Holy Spirit. It follows with Yom Teruah. And Yom Teruah is the day when He will return, when He will come and He fetches His bride, but it is also the day that He will come back to, for the second time that he will come for his second coming. We have Yom Kippur, the next one, which is the day of atonement. And that is where he atoned us back to Father, where, where we could be in relationship with Father again, where he removed all of our sins from us. Then we have Sukkot, or the, the Feast of Tabernacles. What does that mean? We will be with him. He came to tabernacle with us. We will tabernacle with him again. And when he comes for a thousand years... And then we have the eighth day, which is called Shemini Atzeret, and that is the eternity that we will be with our Father. So every one of the appointed times point to Yeshua and what He came to do for us. And when we recognize the feast or the appointed times of God, we only recognize what Yeshua came to do for us because we follow the pattern that God gave us. And when we look at the, at the appointed times, we see that it is, it is the way of salvation, just as the tabernacle is the way of salvation. Just think about this. It is so important to each one of us that we recognize this. Every appointed time was centered around the, the tabernacle as it, it is centered around Yeshua because He is the living tabernacle of God. 
I want to have a quick look. Just want to have a quick look at, at the tabernacle. And this is so important. I know it's a little bit small, but it was difficult to get everything included there. I want to just run through the tabernacle with you quickly so that when I talk about certain areas of the tabernacle that you can already see it in your, in your mind. So when I look at the tabernacle on the, on the picture here on the board, we start here with the entrance to the tabernacle. The tabernacle also always faced east. That is the instruction that God gave Moses. And then we see there, we see the gate. And that gate was called the way. It is the first door to the entrance into the tabernacle, into the inner court, because this area, or the outer court, this area here is called the outer court. So that is the gate. If you wanted to enter in, you had to enter in through the way, the gate into the area of the tabernacle. And what do we see in this tabernacle? We see a couple of things. The first thing that we see is the brazen altar. That is where all the sacrifices were done. We then see the, sec the, the, the second item there is the brazen laver. And that refers to baptism, but I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. I won't talk about that today. The next thing that we see in here is this tent. And this tent is divided into two areas, the front area and the back area. And when we look at the front area, we see that this part here is called the holy place. And that is what was also called the truth. So can you see what is happening here? The gate, the entrance into the whole premises was called the way. The first area of the tent itself was called the truth. It is called the holy place, the truth of God. What do we find within the truth? What is inside that area? And what we see is the first thing here is the golden lampstand, or we call it the menorah. Sorry, I, there's a misspelling. It's M-E-H. Menorah, the menorah. It is that, that lampstand standing in the corner over there. It is similar to that. So it was the golden lampstand with seven arms. So that was standing there. The second thing that we see is against that wall over there. It was called the table of showbread. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, this morning. And then we see here, there was an altar, the golden incense altar, or the, the, the altar of incense was placed in that area, which is called the truth. And the important thing that we need to see here is that every single one of those items reflects what the truth of our Father is, or reflects the pattern of Father's truth to you and I. The second part that we see, oops, the second part that we see here is the back end, and in front of that back end, there's a door here as well. So the door to the tent, that is door number two, and then we see that veil that was in there, and that veil we know, we spoke about it on the 4th of September, as I mentioned, it, is, it divides the holy place from the back area, which is called the holies of the holy of holies. And that holy of holies is better known as life. Can you see what's happening already? When Yeshua says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And what we find in the life, we see two things. The first and one thing that we see is the Ark of the Covenant. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. That was seen as the throne of God. That was seen as the area where God came to present himself to, to Israel or to the high priest. And then we see this fence that was around it, this is just a fence, and if you want to read more about the, the, uh, the tabernacle and every single thing, you can start at Exodus 25. It is explained in detail. 
But I wanted you to form a picture to see that so that you can know what I'm talking about when I explain what this is all about. Now, the first and the most important pattern that we need to identify here are the words Yeshua spoke to us in John 14, verse 5 to 7. Listen what he says. Thomas said to him, Lord, we know not where you go, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from hereafter you know him and have seen him. Why? Because you know me and you have seen me. And if you know me and you have seen me, then you also know the Father and you have seen the Father. Because the, Yeshua was the manifestation of the Word of God here on earth. He was the manifestation of Father coming to you and I to come to live amongst us. So to, be go, to, to go beyond the veil... And stand in the presence of Father Yahweh. We need to go through Yeshua because He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the door. He says, I am the door. And as you can see, we need to enter to get to Father. We need to enter through three doors. I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later in a, in a follow-up message. But He says, I am the door. We cannot get to Him unless we go through the door. He said, I am the door to the sheepfold. Nobody can come to my sheep unless they come through me. It, it is such a profound statement that he makes when he says that. I think we miss half of it and we miss the meaning of it because we don't understand this. So this morning I would like to explain the way, the truth, and the life to you. And again, if you just talk about the way, the truth, and the life, we see there's pattern. There is progression. There is sequence which is indicated by Yeshua when he makes the statement in the Word. So first we need to enter through the way, then we need to discover the truth, which will lead us to life. It's very simple. So what is meant by the way? We are always told that, that Scripture will reveal Scripture. And if we want to understand something, we need to go and look where it is first mentioned or where it was mentioned before because it will give us a better idea of what is being explained through it. So in order to understand what the way is, we find our first clue in Isaiah 35 verse 8. And listen to this. It says, and a highway shall be there and a way. Now what I just want to say here is when he says a highway shall be there and a way, he's not talking about two different ways. This is the same way. He talks about the highway and the way. And I'll, I'll explain it to you now. So I'll just read that again. And a highway shall be there and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. So he says these two things that he mentions, he combines it into one. He says this way, this highway that I'm talking about, this way that is there, shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean, listen carefully, the unclean shall not pass over it. The unclean shall not be able to enter into this way. He says, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men. And when he talks about the wayfaring men, he's talking about people walking in moral character. And what moral character are we referring to here? The moral character that Father describes in His Word. He said, though fools, 
The fools here means the simple followers of God shall not err therein. And what he's saying, he says, says, the followers of Father, we are sometimes called the simple ones or the the fools for God. And the, the fools for Father, the followers of Father shall not err, they shall not sin on this way. That is what he's saying to us. Wow. So he's describing this special way. He's describing this, let's call it a highway. And, and you know, we think about highway as a place where lots of cars can go on. But, but I look at it as a different way. It is something higher than what we are aware of. This highway and this way is not to be confused with the, with the wide and the broad way versus the straight and the narrow way. It doesn't talk about two different ways. And this verse, it refers to the same way, which is this way of holiness, because he ex- explains it to us. So effectively, it is only referring to the straight and narrow way that Yeshua was referring to that he mentioned in Matthew 7 verse 13. And we see the explanation in one of the most well-known verses in the Old Testament, because it also talks again about this, and it is the same verse that Yeshua was referring to when he, when he revealed who John the Baptist really was, and when he revealed what John the Baptist came to do, and, and we all know what he came to do. And we read this in Isaiah 40 verse 3, and it says, The voice of him that cries in the wilderness, prepare you the way of Yahweh, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Can you see he uses the same words? What is he talking about? He's talking about the way of God. He's talking about the way of Father. So John comes to prepare a way for Yeshua, and you and I should prepare the way for his return. That is why we are placed here on earth. John was the first one. He was preparing the people for the arrival of Yeshua so that they could see the Messiah. But you and I are in exactly the same position. You and I, as followers and believers, are supposed to prepare the way for his second coming. Are we doing it? See, Yeshua was absolutely holy. He was set apart by Father so that his sinlessness that he had could take away our sin. And when we are cleansed from sin, we are made holy, and therefore we have access to his kingdom and to the favor of God in our lives. The unclean, the unholy, and the unrighteous cannot enter into the presence of Father Yahweh because that is exactly what is explained to us in this verse. And it is amazing when, when anybody wanted to enter into that area, into the area of the temple or the tabernacle, they had to clean, cleanse themselves, they had to wash themselves, they had to be clean before they could enter into that. And that is a description of what you and I should do as well. So when we accept Yeshua as our Savior, His blood comes and it washes all our sin away and we are free to enter in the way to our Father. He cleanses us from sin. He removes our sins from us. And once we enter through the way, we find ourselves in the outer court where there's a very important process to follow. And I explained that process. We see the, the offer altar there and we see the brazen labor. But I'll talk about that in a future message. And what do we do? Now we come to this tent. We come to this tent which is called the tent of the congregation. We're standing in front of this, of this tent as I showed you in that picture. And that tent was divided into two areas. The first area which forms the front part of the tent is called the truth. It is called the holy place. And only the priests could enter into the holy place. 
It was only the high priest that could enter into the Holy of Holies, but the priests could enter into the holy place. And it was their duty to maintain the process within the holy place to honor God. They worked inside their holy place every single day. And what did they have to do? Listen carefully what they had to do. They had to trim the wicks of the golden lampstand to ensure that the fire would burn bright and continuously and that it would never go out. Isn't that amazing? They had to ensure that the bread on the table of showbread was fresh and that it was replaced regularly. Once a week they replaced the bread on the table of showbread. And they had to offer incense on the golden incense altar every morning and every evening. And I will show you what it actually represents and how we should live by what Yeshua explained to us and what He said to us. So what is important in this whole thing is that we need to understand the process that is being identified here, that, that, we, that we need to identify the pattern that is, that is shown to us. So when we look at the golden lampstand, I want to talk about each one of those, those three uh, furniture pieces that, that was in the, the holy place. And the first one is the golden lampstand. It is also called the menorah, as I showed you earlier. It is the Hebrew name for the golden lampstand. It is, it is called the menorah. Sometimes in the Bible we read a word, and in the King James, specifically in the King James, it, it talks about a lampstand and it talks about a candlestick. Now let me tell you, there weren't any candles in those days. The translation is incorrect. It should be a lampstand, not a candlestick. All right, so just if you wondered. Yeah, anyway, I, I won't say anything. I was, I was going to talk about lighting candles and all sorts of things, but let's, let's leave that for today. It's, um, that, that could be a whole, a whole new message. But they, they had to look after the golden lampstand. And what does it refer to? It refers to the light of Father Yahweh. And what is the light of Father Yahweh? It is the Holy Spirit. So the lampstand, the golden lampstand, re represents the Holy Spirit. It represents a whole lot of other things as well, but I'm not going to talk about all of those things. Otherwise, we will spend today only on the golden lampstand. And, and I just want to get to this process of the way, the truth, and the life um, for today. So when we accept Yeshua, we receive what we call the indwelling Spirit. So we receive, we receive the Holy Spirit within us. The Spirit lives within us. But we are also baptized by the Holy Spirit. And when we are baptized by the Holy Spirit, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can stand in ministry, so that we can go and do what, what God expects from us, what Yeshua told us to go and do. So there are two ideas, two things that happen. First, when we accept Yeshua, we receive His Holy Spirit, and then we are baptized by the Holy Spirit. We see Yeshua explains part of this in Acts 1 verse 4 to 5. And it says, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said he, now Yeshua is talking, you have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Now, let me just say something here about this Holy Ghost thing. The word here, I don't know why the translators translated it with a ghost, because the idea that we get about a ghost is not always a positive idea. The word here in the Greek is the word pneuma. You can go and look in the Bible. Everywhere it says ghost or spirit, it is exactly the same word. It is the word pneuma. So I would have rather, if I was 
translating the Bible, I would never have used the word ghost. I would have just used the word spirit because that is what it refers to. It refers to the Holy Spirit. So if you see ghost on the board and I read spirit, it is exactly the same word. I just prefer the, the pneuma word because, uh, the spirit word because it is, a, it is a better translation. So let me read that again. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then in verse 8 it says, but you shall receive power... After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. Here's the reason for this. Here is the reason why you and I receive the power of the Holy Spirit, so that you and I can be witnesses to Yeshua, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, that's pretty much everywhere. Why is he saying Judea? Because that is where they, or Jerusalem, that is the city that they lived in. So that is their first priority, is the city that they lived in. Then he says in Judea, that was the province that they lived in. Samaria is the bigger area of Israel, and then to the whole world. So we need to see this pattern as well. We start at home, and then we build it out. And when we see as the, as the Holy Spirit came upon them, the Holy Spirit ca came upon them as tongues of fire. It says cloven tongues of fire. So in other words, it is the fire of the Holy Spirit that came upon them, and that fire also means the power of the Holy Spirit that they received. So not only do we receive the fruit of the Spirit, that is the indwelling Spirit, when we accept Yeshua, but we also receive the gifts of the Spirit, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so that you and I can be witnesses to Yeshua in this world that we live in. Are we witnesses to Him in this world? When we walk in the streets, are we a witness to Yeshua? When we talk to people, are we a witness to Yeshua? Because that is what we're supposed to do. And you and I are also the temple or the tabernacle of God, and His Spirit dwells within us. And because His light is within us, we need to show that light and the truth to the world. The light of the Holy Spirit should never go out. It should always be burning inside of you and I. It is to burn bright and continuously. And therefore Yeshua came and He said to us in Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16, he said this, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. Now that word should be on a lampstand. And it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, listen, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This is not to glorify you and I. It is to glorify Father. And as the light of the world, you and I become the instruments which Father chooses to make use of to enlighten the minds of people to the Word and to the salvation of God that He came to give to us. That is what we need to enlighten the people with. The amazing thing is that they, there were no windows in the tabernacle. So when we look at the menorah, the, the golden lampstand was the only light within the holy place. There was no other light there. And you know what is so amazing to me? The light from the menorah ensured that the table of showbread and the incense altar was illuminated. And what do we sometimes say when something is illuminated? It is revealed. 
It revealed the bread of the, and the altar of incense. It revealed what was supposed to be done. And, it, and it's almost like the, the golden lampstand was revealing the truth and the pattern that Father created for you and I through His tabernacle. John 14 verse 26 says this. He says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your rem rem remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. And when you read that, this is, the Holy Spirit will reveal the truth of the Word of God to you and I. He will enlighten us with the Word of God. And the more time we spend in the Word of God and the more we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the Word to us, the more the Word of God will be revealed to you. But we need to make an effort. We need to spend time. We need to read the Bible in the light of the Holy Spirit. Adam Clark said about this verse that the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, and the instructor will take away all your doubts, free you from all embarrassment, and give you a perfect understanding in all things. Because it is only through the Holy Spirit and the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about any New Age movement here. I'm talking about when the Holy Spirit reveals the Word of God to you and I. That's what I'm talking about. He will do it. He will shine His light upon it. And you know, sometimes we'll sit in difficult situations. Yesterday when we were talking, as the men were talking, um, yeah, when we prayed together, one of the men was actually said this, when you ask Father, when you don't know what to do anymore, the Holy Spirit comes and He enlightens you. And that was so amazing to me when I heard that yesterday. What a testimony. And it is absolutely true. You see, we are standing in this place called the truth inside the tabernacle. And it is through the Holy Spirit that you and I receive the truth of Yeshua. In Romans 8 verse 2, Paul's, uh, Paul refers to, uh, about the, the Holy Spirit and he talks about the law of the Spirit of life which is in Yeshua. Isn't that beautiful? The law of the Spirit of life. And when he talks about the law of the spirit of life, for those of you who spend time with us when we did Romans as a Bible study will understand he was talking about the law of God, what we call today as the Torah. It is called the law of life. And this brings us to the table of showbread. Yeshua is the bread of life. He is the word of God. And the word of God in the Bible is always or sometimes mostly referred to as the bread of life. And on the Sabbath, on that day of rest, the priest was to switch out the bread of the presence. They called it the bread of the presence. Isn't that beautiful? The bread of the presence of, of Yahweh. And then every, every week, every Sabbath day, he had to replace it, had to put new bread there. But what was interesting, the week old bread was then consumed by the priests in the sanctuary as it has been holy and, and sanctified or made holy and sanctified by being in the presence of God. You see, this word is always in the presence of God. It is holy and it is sanctified. And you and I can eat it every day. We need to consume this bread of the word. And when we look at the bread, there were 12 loaves of bread. And the number 12 symbolizes Father's power and His authority, as well as a perfect governmental foundation. And it also symbolized completeness. Because the word is complete. We don't need anything else. 
We don't need other scriptures. We only need the word of God so that we can live in the truth of, of what Father has come to reveal to us. See, the Bible is the complete word of God. And it is through His word that we are instructed in truth and in righteousness and we receive His power and His authority because we receive it through His word. We would not know about it if we didn't have His word because He reveals it to us through His Holy Spirit. And you and I have to consume the word. We need to make it part of our lives and we need to live by it. There's such a beautiful scripture in Joshua 1 verse 8. It says, Father speaking to Joshua, and he's leading Israel. He's leading them into the promised land. And Father comes and he says this to Joshua. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do, listen carefully, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. It is an important word that is given to you and I. Yes, Father gave it to, to Joshua, but Yeshua also gave it to you and me. Yeshua said in John 17, verse 17, I'm going to read two verses to you here. In John 17, 17, Yeshua says, Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. So what have we seen now? The Holy Spirit is in the place, in the holy place, because the Holy Spirit is all about truth. He will teach us in the truth of the Word of God. And then we see the bread. Yeshua is the bread. He is the truth. But it also refers to the Word of God because Yeshua is the Word of God. Because it says that to us in Revelation 19 verse 13, He said, and His name is the Word of God. So He is the truth. And now He says, and He and explains it to us that Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. And in Hebrews 4 verse 12, we read the following. It says, for the word of God is quick. Now, let me just explain this word quick. The word that is used in Greek there is the word tzahu. And that word tzahu means life or living. So what it should actually say, for the word of God is life and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. His word should be in our hearts. It should be in our minds. It should be top of mind. We should meditate on a day and night. We should take it in. We should consume it. You see, it is through the truth of Father's Word that we know Him and that we receive understanding of His love and His grace and of His mercy and of life. It is through knowing His Word that we understand what, the true, what true intimacy is and what true intimacy with this loving Father that we have, what it actually means. Because there is no other way that we can understand intimacy with God unless we see it in the Word of God. In Psalm 119 verse 130 it says that Father's Word gives light and understanding to the simple. Isn't that beautiful? We all, know, we all know Psalm 119 verse 105. It is a light to my, on my path and a, and a lamp to my feet. Wow. It's talking about this light. It's talking about revealing, revealing the Word of God to us. And what a wonderful knowledge that His Word guides us into righteousness and into true life. 
And the final piece within the holy place. And as I mentioned before, I, I could spend the entire morning just on each one of these furniture pieces that was in the holy place. But the next one, the final piece within the holy place, which is this place of truth, is the altar of incense. And this altar of incense symbolizes prayer and it symbolizes worship. And when John the Baptist's father was doing service in the temple, we read that he had to, he had to burn the incense on the altar while the whole multitude was standing outside praying. So what did he do? He brought the prayers of the congregation before Father in the form of the incense that he burned on the, altar, on the incense altar. See, the altar of incense in the wilderness tabernacle reminded the Israelites that prayer and worship must play a central role in the life of God's people. And that is still true for you and I today. And what did we see there? Priests brought the burning coals for, uh, for this altar in from the brazen altar, the one outside where the sacrifices were made. And they brought it in from there, from the courtyard, carrying them in censers into the holy place to bring the, to bring the incense before God. Now the brazen altar was where the sacrifices were made. And it is through our sacrifice of self that we can bring pure worship and prayer before Father. We need to approach Father in utmost humility, not in pride. This altar was in the holy place. But its fragrant odor, listen carefully to what happened. Its fragrant odor would rise above the veil and fill the holy of holies where the mercy seat of God was. And the prayers of the congregation was brought before the Lord. It serves as a reminder that our prayers, out of humbleness and out of submission, are constantly being carried to Father by the Holy Spirit. We are constantly reminded of the importance of our prayers and our worship. And why, how do I know this? Well, the Bible tells this to us, and listen to what it says in Revelation 8, verse 3 to 4. It says, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given to him much incense. So he was standing where? In heaven. He was standing in the throne room of Father, and he was standing before the golden altar of incense. That's what it says. Listen to what he says further. It says, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke, listen, and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Can you see the resemblance? Can you see the pattern? Can you see what God created for us to see, to physically see and understand what is actually happening in heaven when you and I are sitting down and we are praying to Him or standing and praying to Him or when we are busy worshiping Him? The pattern was created for us. We just need to start seeing it. Yeshua came and he emphasized in John 4, verse 23 to 24. He says, But the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship him. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And where do we find ourselves at the moment? In the holy place of the tabernacle, which is referred to as the truth. Because everything that is there points to the truth of who Father is. And when we worship, 
we come and we bring the truth of Father's words to Him so that you and I can worship Him in spirit and in truth. And it is through the truth of the word that we receive life and we are able to enter beyond the veil into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God and into life. Because that is where you and I find life, in the presence of God. Yeshua is the loving tabernacle of God and it is through Him that His way is revealed to us so that we can receive His absolute truth that provides us with eternal life. I will expand on this pattern in messages to come where I will focus on, on our process of salvation and the Holy of Holies where we receive that life. But it was important for me this morning just to explain to you this, what Yeshua said when He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life because He was referring to whatever happened within the tabernacle. And what is important this morning is that you realize that Yeshua's words were a direct reference to the tabernacle where the way, the truth, and the life is revealed to you and I and how Father created the pattern for Yeshua's fulfillment thereof. Once we understand this, once we come to the understanding of the, of the pattern and the symbolism that God gave to us, the whole New Testament becomes a wonderful revelation of God's pattern that He already decided when He created the earth. And may we see that, and may this message help you to understand this and give you the desire to go and to go and investigate this pattern that Father has created for you and I. We are looking forward to Tuesday. And we are looking forward to Tuesday because it is the day of atonement. It is the day when we are atoned to Father through Yeshua. And everything that happens there is also revealed through, through what Father gave us in the Old Testament, through His tabernacle and through His appointed times. And we will spend a little bit more time on that in a later message but I want to create this whole process of the tabernacle and explain to you what the, the, the significance of the tabernacle is to you and I in our lives today. Let us bow our hearts in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, and we are so excited. We are so excited to read, Lord, about your tabernacle, the pattern that you gave to each one of us, the pattern that you revealed to each one of us through your holy word, through your Torah, through your instructions, so that we could see the fulfillment of Yeshua when he came to live amongst us. And we are excited and waiting with anticipation for Yeshua to come and fetch his bride. And thank you, Lord, that we can know it is very close. And therefore, we honor and we praise you in the mighty name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.